is Affliction Fiction, a podcast regarding writers and artists who quite literally make their characters sick. I'm Jennifer Horlick. And I'm James Ewer. On this show, we analyze illnesses that exist in fictional works, such as TV, books, and film, and how they relate to the real world. And this week, we'll be looking at Say the Opposite of What You Mean Disease, which occurs in a deleted scene from the 1994 comedy film Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. The film follows Ace Ventura, who is tasked with figuring out who has stolen the mascot of the Miami Dolphins football team. After suspecting that former Miami Dolphins player Ray Finkel may be the key to solving the case, Ace visits a sports bar where Finkel used to work. Unfortunately, because Finkel cost the Miami Dolphins the victory in Super Bowl XVII, the mere mention of his name angers the bar's attendees, and Ace tries to say whatever he can to escape the situation. I'm looking for a guy who used to work here. Is that right? He was a kicker for the Dolphins. Ray Finkel. That would be a scratch. Are you a friend of Finkel's? Yes. Sorry! I have say the opposite of what you mean disease. Say the opposite of what you mean disease? I hope 50 of our senators have that. (laughs) Me too. As you can probably tell, say the opposite of what you mean disease isn't a real condition even in the movie, and Ace makes it up in the spur of the moment in an attempt to not get beaten up. Nevertheless, the main symptom of Ace's made-up illness is apparent right in the name, and there are certain communication disorders which inhibit the ability to properly convey thoughts. Many of the communication disorders which relate to say the opposite of what you mean disease fall under the umbrella term aphasia. The National Aphasia Association defines aphasia as an impairment of language affecting the production or comprehension of speech and the ability to read or write. Aphasia is never present at birth. Rather, it's acquired later in life as a result of a brain injury, stroke, or neurological disorder. It's important to note that aphasia doesn't impair any cognitive processes that aren't related to language or speech, so people who have it don't have any noticeable difference in their intellect in their other mental faculties. Different types of aphasia range in how they affect speech production and comprehension, and they're classified by whether the affected person is able to speak fluently, comprehend the speech of other people, and repeat words or phrases they've just heard. The variant of aphasia which is considered the most severe is global aphasia. People with this form can comprehend virtually no spoken language, and they can produce very few words themselves. Incidentally, they can't read or write either. Being such a severe kind of aphasia, it's typically only seen among people with very severe and lasting brain damage as a result of stroke or brain trauma. Another type is Wernicke's aphasia, named so because it occurs as a result of damage to Wernicke's area, which is the part of the brain that facilitates speech comprehension. Therefore, people with Wernicke's aphasia have trouble understanding what words and sentences mean, but they don't have as much difficulty producing speech of their own. For this reason, Wernicke's aphasia is sometimes known as fluent aphasia. That being said, their speech isn't perfect. Oftentimes, people with Wernicke's aphasia intersperse their sentences with words that either don't exist or don't make sense in context. Much like how Wernicke's area is the part of the brain which relates to speech comprehension, Broca's area is the part of the brain which relates to speech production. So predictably, Broca's aphasia is a type of aphasia which doesn't have much effect on the ability to understand speech, but greatly hinders the ability to speak fluently. 
For this reason, it's sometimes known as non-fluent aphasia. People affected struggle to assemble grammatical sentences and usually can't convey their thoughts using more than four words at a time. Sounds a little like me. Anyway. <laughs> what? Jennifer, it's not often that you try to improvise a joke on this show, but when you do, oh, was that a good I am one? so proud. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> they generally retain their capabilities in understanding words and sentences, but they can have greater difficulty doing so if sentence structure gets more complex. A variant that is similar to Broca's aphasia is mixed non-fluent aphasia. The speech produced by people with this condition is very similar to that produced by people with Broca's aphasia, but the difference, however, is that mixed non-fluent aphasia also causes great difficulty in speech comprehension, much like in Wernicke's aphasia. Anomic aphasia is a type of aphasia which is considered more mild than others, but it is also deeply frustrating. In the case of anomic aphasia, the only words which a person is unable to communicate are the exact words which they intend to say. Essentially, this is a condition where a person perpetually has a word on the tip of their tongue. As a result, people with anomic aphasia use general, vague words, or they use circumlocution to describe the word they're looking for. Aside from this difficulty, however, those affected can still speak fluently with proper grammatical structure, and their speech comprehension abilities are largely unaffected. All of the forms of aphasia we've mentioned so far are caused by some kind of physical brain damage or stroke. But when aphasia is caused by a neurodegenerative disease, such as frontotemporal lobar degeneration or Alzheimer's disease, it's known as primary progressive aphasia, or PPA. First signs of damage to speech production and comprehension are subtle, but as brain tissue continues to deteriorate, these abilities gradually become more and more impaired. Once these language capabilities have declined as much as they can, symptoms of the underlying disease that is causing PPA become more prominent. Aphasia is similar to say the opposite of what you mean disease in that it causes difficulty in articulating an intended message. However, it doesn't always cause a person to say something else besides what they mean in its place. When that kind of substitution does occur, it's referred to as paraphasia. Paraphasia? Is that like aphasia, but you have two of them? Nope! And it's not really its own disorder either. According to Dr. Harold Goodglass and Dr. Edith Kaplan, paraphasia refers to the production of unintended syllables, words, or phrases during the effort to speak. Therefore, rather than happening on its own, a paraphasia is usually a symptom of a fluent form of aphasia, such as Wernicke's aphasia. There are three different kinds of paraphasias. The first is called literal paraphasia, or phonological paraphasia. This is when an unintended word is produced, but at least half of it is still produced correctly. This can include omitting a sound, such as saying jame instead of james, or transposing two sounds, such as saying jeffener instead of jennifer. Jeffener? Yeah, you know, like, you hang a jeffener in your car and it makes it smell more like jeff. Another type of paraphasia is neologistic paraphasia. This occurs when less than half of the intended word is produced correctly. While we commonly associate paraphasias with people who have aphasia, neologistic paraphasia is also very common in people with schizophrenia. This type is often categorized into phonemic neologisms and morphemic neologisms. Phonemic neologisms occur by arranging individual speech sounds together in a way that doesn't produce an actual word, meaning that they usually sound like gibberish. 
Morphemic neologisms occur by arranging meaningful units of language together in a way that doesn't produce an actual word, such as something like multi-monthable. Yes, that is not a word. My birthday is multi-monthable. No, it's not. We can celebrate it all year long. I guess we could. The final type is verbal paraphasia. This occurs when, rather than an intended word, a person produces a word that is completely different but is still a real word. Verbal paraphasias are usually classified as semantic paraphasias or remote paraphasias. Semantic paraphasias occur when the produced word and the intended word are in some way related to one another. For instance, a person may try to say glove but accidentally say hand. Remote paraphasias occur when the produced word isn't related at all to the intended word. For example, a person may try to say bottle but end up saying ceiling. Ace Ventura says the word yes, and then claims that he meant to say no. When two words are antonyms, they technically do have a direct relationship between one another, as it is acknowledged that they are each other's opposites. Therefore, if say the opposite of what you mean disease were a real-life condition, it would most likely be classified as a very specific type of semantic paraphasia. Another interesting and rare communication disorder is Gonzer syndrome. According to Dr. Sebastian Dieguez of the University of Fribourg, Switzerland, people affected with this disorder produce answers to very simple questions that are approximate to or nearly the correct answer, but not the correct answer. For example, if someone with Gonzer syndrome was asked what 10 plus 1 equals, they might answer 12. In 1897, the disorder was first attributed to prison inmates by psychiatrist Sigbert Gonzer. The inmates were absent-minded and confused, and would have visual or auditory hallucinations. They would sometimes even become aphasic. Consequently, it was originally called prison psychosis. I caught a case of prison psychosis when I was living in Joe Weinstein Residence Hall. Yikes. All them cinder blocks. Cinder blocks. <laughs> Other prison psychiatrists like Gonzer found that their inmates presented similar symptoms, and eventually, these symptoms started to affect people outside of prisons. Gonzer syndrome is considered a controversial condition because some doctors question if it even exists. In fact, the DSM-3, published in 1952, listed the syndrome under factitious disorders. According to Cleveland Clinic, a factitious disorder is a mental disorder in which a person acts as if he or she has a physical or mental illness when, in actuality, he or she has consciously created the symptoms. In 2000, the DSM-4 text revision classified Gonzer syndrome as a dissociative disorder rather than a factitious disorder and its only diagnostic criteria was giving approximate answers to questions. To this day, there isn't an established way to diagnose Gonzer syndrome, and it isn't included in the current DSM-5, published in 2013. While those with Gonzer syndrome don't quite say the opposite of what they mean, they don't offer correct answers in response to questions either, which is comparable to say the opposite of what you mean disease. Furthermore, Ace Ventura consciously makes up his disorder much like the theory that those with Gonzer syndrome consciously make up their symptoms. So theoretically, ACE's fake disorder could be considered a factitious disorder. Since Gonzer syndrome was once classified as a dissociative disorder, we can take a look at other types of these disorders. The DSM-5 describes dissociative disorders as characterized by a disruption of and or discontinuity in the normal integration of consciousness, memory, identity, emotion, perception, body representation, motor control, and behavior. 
If say the opposite of what you mean disease were a real disorder, perhaps it could be classified as a dissociative disorder because an afflicted person would experience a discontinuity between their consciousness and speech. One type of dissociative disorder is depersonalization or derealization disorder. Symptoms of this illness include experiences of unreality or detachment from one's mind, self, or body, and or experiences of unreality or detachment from one's surroundings. Then again, this is also known as college. Yikes. This is also known as drugs. <laughs> we went for different punchlines. I went for higher education. You went for substance abuse. Yay. <laughs> a second type is dissociative amnesia, in which a person suffers from the inability to recall autobiographical information. This includes the person forgetting a certain period of time or event, a specific aspect of an event, or his or her identity and life history in general. Those with dissociative amnesia may notice a gap in their memory eventually, but they are initially unaware of their amnesia. A final type of dissociative disorder is dissociative identity disorder. The DSM-5 lists five different criteria for diagnosing this disorder, the first of which is disruption of identity characterized by two or more distinct personality states. The second criterion is recurrent gaps in the recall of everyday events, important personal information, and or traumatic events that are inconsistent with ordinary forgetting. The third requires that symptoms cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. And the fourth and fifth criteria are that the symptoms aren't caused by substance abuse, another medical condition, and are not broadly accepted parts of cultural or religious practice. If ACEs disorder were to be included for some reason in the DSM under dissociative disorders, it wouldn't quite fit into any of the previously mentioned disorders, so it would probably be classified as its own. However, say the opposite of what you mean disease doesn't align with the definition of a dissociative disorder because ACE consciously makes up his symptoms, which, again, is more similar to a factitious disorder. Factitious? More like... Delicious. That's all we have to say for now, but what do you think? Do you have a question or contribution to today's discussion? If so, you can send us an email at afflictionfiction at wnyu.org. For now, I'm Jeffiner Horlick. And I'm Jane Ewer. Thanks for listening. And get well soon. Ace Ventura Pet Detective was written by Jack Bernstein, Tom Shadyak, and Jim Carrey, and is property of Warner Brothers. Lover's Carvings by Bibio was written by Stephen Wilkinson, and is property of Warp Records. 